we just want to also say, Bazalana, if you are here with us for the first time, we welcome you. All those of you who join us via social media, whatever platform you're on, would love to welcome you in the name of the Lord. Now, today I wanted to pick up on what we've been talking about. I asked Pastor Dick to come in last week. Did he good, do a good job there? Thank you, Bazalana, for receiving him well. We are so glad that he ministered well. We didn't have a chance to watch the service because the times were kind of clashing with each other, but I, were able to, I was able to see just a little bit here there. But I spoke to him nevertheless, and, uh, and I've gotten feedback from some of you all, and the message was quite powerful, and we're grateful. Amen, Bazalana. Uh, remember this month, and I want to say this to you, that uh, even on uh, the, our crossover service, I'm going to be touching a little bit on what we, our theme is this month. We're talking about understanding covenant. And in the last few weeks, we've been talking specifically about reconnecting to the generational covenant. That's what we've been talking about. And the whole uh, approach of this and the background to this is our realization as we read God's word that every family lineage has a grace that rests on it. A grace that's imparted by God and it is a portion. It's a grace. It's a gift freely given to your family. And when you look at families, there are certain things that pop up that I call distinctives or I want to call them dominant features. When you look on families, you've got families that have many people who become pastors, or they become teachers, or they become medical doctors, or they become business people, or they become sports people, or there are people in the arts, or, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Now, not everybody in that family, I must state, will necessarily follow in that path. But that, whatever happens in those families becomes a dominant feature. If you look into your family lineage, Bazalana, there are certain dominant features. It's just a grace that comes from God. The family didn't work for it. You don't deserve it. But it's something. And you become an incredible blessing in the family. I, was, I wasn't able to watch the, the funeral Yazahara as I would have liked to because I was quite busy. And I just, uh, and I remember when I, when, mom, when I first got to hear about her, Mama had been to a service called Rema in the evening service, where if I wrong, and Zahara had gone to sing called Rema Kwale. And, and so on. And I didn't know her background, I must be honest with you, but there was something about her when I heard her sing first time, then in the early days. I said, there's something unique about this girl. I could tell she comes from a family of people who are really committed to God. And it's up until now at the funeral, I listened to the speeches of the sisters. You can listen to that on YouTube, that I got to really, really realize that whatever my suspicion was, it was true. This young girl came from that kind of a family, godly family, praying family, incredible family, born again family as a matter of fact. And, and that she came uh, born as a very specially talented girl. And when I was listening to the sisters, I could just 
say, you know what I've been talking about at the church? This is true. This family has a grace on them. I understand. And every family has a grace on that, Basala. Now, how you handle that grace is up to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and we have to protect that grace. We have to look after that grace. You understand what I'm saying? And I was so glad yesterday when uh, Umfundisi Mantini from the Methodist Church was so sealed. You know, when he, when he was giving an exhortation, and he quoted the book that I thought I want to repeat, and I think you should buy it. It's written by Hosea Rampekwa, or Rampikwa, and it's entitled Gifted, Hunted, and Haunted. Gifted, Hunted, and Haunted. Uh, I checked it now. You, 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 you can find it on Amazon, uh, those of you. And, and in this book, his approach in this book is to show how uh, gifted people, uh, like many of us are gifted, that in your area of gifting, there is an intention by the enemy to try and destruct you. And, and, and in particular, he was talking about our, our, our artists in the country. It's, it's sad, Bazalwana, to be honest with you. And I'm pleased I'm not making commentary about Zahara in particular. I'm just talking generally, all right? It's a sad thing for us in a country to see what our artists end up in, all right? And I think what we haven't understood is that when you are gifted, Satan will hunt you. There are demonic spirits that will come after you. So if you don't learn to protect yourself and put yourself in an environment when you look after what God's given you, you will fall prey like many of them have fallen prey. But the same is true concerning you in your families. And so I won't go into detail about that book, but the, 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 the book is talking about you're a gifted person and the world hunts you for your gift. They use what you've got Take what you've got, okay? And then you get into all kinds of stuff, and then you go home to an empty life. After you've entertained other people, you go home to depression and go home, so you are haunted. And you have to deal with stuff. And so many people deal with stuff. So many families deal with stuff. And some of you are dealing with stuff. Now, the, the sad part is when you are not aware that there are things that want to haunt your life. The sad thing is when you make the wrong decisions and you, be, you fall prey to what was to bring down your family. My prayer is that some of you, God will really trouble you with this sermon. I pray that this sermon will wake you up in the middle of the night so that you come back to who God wants you to be. Are you understanding? Because oftentimes when this thing comes up in you, you wonder why when in your family you want to do right. When you come from a background where people live in a certain way. We gave the example of Josiah. Josiah at the age of eight. He decided he was going to live a different life. He decided he was going to follow, the Bible says, in the footsteps of his father David. And it's, an, it's, an, it's a funny expression that... You find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 2. It says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of David, his father. Now, we know that David was not his father. David was in the lineage of Josiah. Josiah's father was Amnon. 
And Amnon was an evil man. Amnon didn't do what was right. And I mean, Josiah, not only was his dad evil, his grandfather, his, his dad's dad, uh, in the right? His dad's dad, Amnon, wasn't, was an evil man. So all we know is that Josiah grows up in a family, in a home background that never really helped him to go in the right direction. Like many people who grow up in a home where there's no one in your home is t- trying to do what's right. Go ya pilwanje. Abakulegi, abakonzu nkulunkulu, abaya sontweni, go ya puzwa. Go my boyfriend, na my girlfriend, yonkele nyaga nyaga le. Go ya tuganwa, yonkele nyaga. Oh, I don't know why I'm standing this side, but maybe I must stand, maybe I must stand this side and there's all this nyaga nyaga going on. Mara, even if you were born in this nyaga nyaga, there's something in you that doesn't want to accept that your life should go in that direction. Why? Because you are just like Josiah. There's something in your family lineage that God has placed in that family. What was there in the lineage here, Josiah? Well, if you go back as far as David, is that God, God said to David, you will sit on the throne. And your lineage is the lineage of royalty. You will be leaders, you will sit on the throne, you will rule, right? However, we note that in every lineage, there will always be a weak link. And I pray you are not that weak link. The weak link is the person who opens the door for the family lineage to be corrupted. For what God wants to do through that family to be taken off course, you see. So, but God will always raise somebody in the family because whatever gift God gives your family, it is permanent. Yeah. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Yeah. They were giving me better amens than this Esatin. Come on now. Yeah. And so we see Josiah when he, when he was born. I mean, as a child, that's why I take children very seriously. I'm telling you, when children run up to me, you know, and they ask me to pray for them or they want to talk to me or they give me a scripture and so on. I just love, I love it. Because I know most people don't think about it. But I know when I was nine years old, I remember the thoughts I used to have as a nine-year-old child. I know in my own church at the United Reformed Church, which really, you know, we grew up in, you know, our, our, our pastors would preach. They would preach so powerfully that as a child, even younger than nine years, I wanted to go forward and get born again. They just never afforded us the opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. But something was bubbling in me as a nine-year-old to a point that when I was 11 years old, I became a teacher of Sunday school because I was concerned that, you know, we didn't have teachers in Sunday school. The teachers were not committed. They were not consistent would come to Sunday school early in the morning at 9 o'clock, sit there as children, no teacher appearing. And this had been going on for several months, so I just got up as an 11 years old, being a children, and I know that's not good English, and being a children, I taught the children myself, being a children. I thought I'm just doing it. It's only years later, when I was, several years ago, when God spoke to me, he said, you thought that was you, right? Because I just had a desire 
and a concern. We, why are these teachers not showing up? Who's going to teach the children? And I started teaching the children, being a children myself, and I did it for 11 years until I was 22 years old. But you see, that, that's not a man's doing. Come on now, Bazan. It's not a man's doing. It is something that's brewing on the inside of you. I, I'm prophesying something is brewing on the inside of you to take you back. Because in my family, as I've said, and I'm using my family as an example, you know, it's not that we are in China, but God's raised leaders in our family. God has raised preachers. God has raised teachers in my family lineage. And every family here, you have something special. And in this series, I'm praying that this sermon will make you so uncomfortable that you will not settle for mediocrity. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. For those of you who are off course, and those of you who have allowed yourself to be haunted souls, that God will call you back. That God will show you, you have to fight for your destiny. You have to battle the demons that haunted your grandfathers. David, when Josiah, when he came back, he didn't use his dad as a reference point. I'm not. He didn't use his grandfather Manasseh as a reference point. He reaches back to David 14 generations back to connect to the anointing that started 14 generations ago. And he said, even if I don't know my grandfather, I'm going to connect to his spirit. I'm going to connect to that anointing. I'm going to connect with what God has placed in our family. Do we have people in this place who will connect? I said, do we have people in this place who will connect? I don't care how old you are. Will you connect? Because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Yeah. Many families, I look at you here, I see incredible, incredible people. Maybe you don't think of yourself in those terms. But I do. And even most importantly, God thinks much more about you than what you think about you. Oh, he says, I have plans for you. I said, God has plans for you. Will you allow those plans to be a reality? He says, plans to give you a future and an expected end. It's good plans. It's not bad plans. It doesn't matter how much trouble you were born into. There's no amount of trouble or tragedy that is greater than the call of God and the gift of God upon your life. You may have to battle through. You may have to fight through. You may have to struggle through. We see it in the Joshua generation, example we gave. When Joshua came into leadership, the generation he led became a generation that took possession of the land when the two generations before could not. See, they said ours, our portion, our grace, was to inherit the land, but the last two generations couldn't do it. Think about it. The last generation, rather, couldn't do it. These are the young people who were born in the wilderness. 
These are children who didn't have any experience in Egypt. They didn't know what Egypt looked like. They were not they were not old enough in Egypt to know what's going on. They were born on the way, but as they listen to the story of where they are, fathers and mothers come from, and of the promise that was on their lives, and as they watch their parents fail, and as they watch their parents collapse, these children decided, we're not going to be like that. But thank God there was a remnant from the old generation, Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they had a different spirit. Do we have people in the house who have a different spirit? Oh yeah. Yeah, you are in a home, but now they are going that way, Marawena. You are going the God way. You are going the righteous way. You are going the destiny way. Hey, you are going another way. You just have a different spirit. They criticize you, Mara, it's alright. You have a different spirit. They talk about you, Mara, it's okay. You have a different spirit. They plan against you, Mara, it's okay. You have a different spirit. They ostracize you, Mara, it's okay. You have a different spirit. They leave you out of their plans, Mara, it's okay. You have a different spirit. When you are with them, you can't connect, but it's okay. You have a different spirit. Do we have people in the house who have a different spirit? Oh, yeah. But don't underestimate the problems that are going to characterize your journey. Because you have to battle demons that date back 14 generations. Demons that know your family lineage, they know the patterns in your family. They know the weak spots in your family. They have studied your family. They know if they touch this family in this area, they collapse. Marawena, you have a different spirit about you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the Joshua generation became the generation that inherited the land. Can I hear an amen in the house? And when they went into the place, God told them and gave them instruction in Joshua chapter four, verse nine. I want to read that. Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. So they had to pick up 12 stones, 12 stones. These 12 stones taken from the river Jordan are the stones that represent Biblical truths that these children or this Joshua generation had to embrace. You have to start embracing biblical truths. Because I tell you, it's only God's word that changes somebody's destiny. You have to start loving God's word and embracing God's word and living by God's word, reading God's word, meditating on God's word, practicing God's word. Declaring God's word, speaking God's word, choosing God's word. It's only God's word that has the power. It deletes the corruption that has come into the family lineage. It is stronger than the antivirus. Can I hear an amen? It deletes, it cleanses. And you have to put up a fight every day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because Satan works with patterns. If you look in your family line, there are certain things that bring them down all the time. Areas where your family 
is susceptible to weakness. And if you want to be honest, those are the areas where you battle the most. Yeah. Yeah. But see, only God's word can reinforce you. Oh, I don't hear any amens in the house. Hallelujah. So we said these 12 stones represent biblical truths that have been quickened, that, that God has made alive. They, 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 they represent certain commitments that you must make. There, there are certain truths you must, you must so embrace and you have to overdose on them. Because in that area, your family is weak. If you're, if you're a man and you come from a family where the men in that family were, were drunkards, you, you have to reinforce yourself there. And stay away from Chibuk. Look at the brother sitting next to you and say, Brother, Chibuk. Don't Chibuk rise. These truths that we embrace are truths that have been there all along. Even if they have lain dormant, but now, listen to me carefully, is truths that the Holy Spirit will keep bringing up in your spirit. And it makes them come alive in you. With any generation, when God brings a divine visitation to them, there are certain things that God talks to them about. Now, yeah, let's go through these truths quickly. Uh, you, we've talked about them, so I'm not going to stop. Skelaring who? Kekupa before little hole in Nakiru. Okay, so you little hook says he gets a home moen, so it's come home and says he gets a home moen. We're going to go through them. There's 12 of them. I'm going to go quickly. Number one, the stone of humility and simplicity. Number two, I told you not to say who. We've gone through them. Okay, let me be kind, okay? Let me be nice. I give you a Christmas present. Christmas. Okay, number one, the stone of humility and simplicity. Number two, the stone of impartation. Number three, the stone of intercessory prayer. I just feel we're going to follow this teaching here even into the new year because I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I think our prayer week, most probably, I'll, 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 I'll delve into this because the prayer week will we'll delve into this. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. I wish you could get my voice out for you to get a rakayona. Utrayakai kodi muyang. I wanna yawn a le parato, nuba, another authority. Amen. Number three, the stone of intercessory prayer. <laughs> keep on, keep on helping me, bro. I appreciate it, man. Number four, the stone of. I love this one. Reconciling the generations. Oh, I tell you, the more I've been studying on the reconciliation of generations is the more I'm realizing we need to talk about it a lot. We need to talk about it a lot. I tell you, Bazalan, it's amazing. As I see senior leaders passing on in our country, I mean, we, we just heard not long ago the wife who are 
Muruti Korombe has passed, senior leader, asked me to come and assist in everything. These are some of the forerunners in the gospel. Muruti Malele, forerunners in the gospel. We're seeing the people who were forerunners and pioneers passing. And we're seeing now the change of vanguard. Leadership coming into new hands. How do we connect the generations? It's an important stone. Reconnecting the generations. See. Number five, the stone of restoring men to take responsibility. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I love you. I love you, guys. I love you. We are taking our rightful place as men. I'm telling you, Basalam. Yeah. Lonabaring men are trash. Lisilo kisilabas. Look at your lady sitting next to you. Say, Lisilo kisilabas. Guys, look at them and say, Lisilo kisilabas. I'm telling you, men are trash. Let's really work on. Speak for yourself. My father was not trash. And I'm certainly not trash. Come on now, somebody. Give the Lord a shout. Number six. I love this one. The stone of, and I love this one. Oh, I tell you. Just to let you know, I'm going to be teaching, teaching quite a bit about it. The stone of healing, miracles, signs and wonders, and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. It's a stone. It's a stone. We... These are the truths that we must pick up, the stones we've got to pick up to move into where God is taking us next. Number seven, the stone of holiness. Living a holy life. Yeah. You know, people misunderstand us that because we, we may look very hip or hop and, and we may sound contemporary and, you know, we look like we're with it, they think that we don't live holy lives. We embrace God's word as the standard. No, no, you're not going to sneak in things in here that God's word doesn't embrace. And don't tell me that we don't love you. We love you. But we love God more and we love God's word more. God's love doesn't mean there's no standards. And, and it worries me today that people, you know, I was telling some people who were with this week here, I'm concerned about the current current generation, not age group, but the people in the world today. We are trying to make God in our image. Let me explain what I mean. We're trying to define to God what holiness and righteousness should be. And people do stuff, you know, and, and they put God's name. You know? Here's a guy who works as a stripper no, 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 don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on now, come on, just, just listen, listen. Here's a guy who works as a stripper, comes on national television, says, I want to thank God for this job. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing, this is the nonsense that people are being fed today. And some of you, you are succumbing to that. How do you put the name of God on nonsense like that? I want to thank God for being a stripper. He's got children everywhere. Okay, because you don't like it. Let's leave it. I'm just saying, Bazalana, listen to me. You see, if we want to see 
The fullness of God's power work among us. Listen to me. It will not come on our terms. Read the Bible. Read the, if, if you don't mind, go read the Bible. Any generation that experienced a move of God, they were called to repentance. There are things that we need to get rid of, and God doesn't ask our opinion. I'm, I'm concerned about our generation that people do stuff and take the name of God on their evil. They want to thank God for Makwapeng. You thank God for Makwapeng. When was it right to have a Makwapeng? When was it right to, to steal somebody's husband, steal somebody's wife? When was it right? When did it become right? To live as a couple and you are not married, when did it become right? No, 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 no. Too long, ne? I'm a preacher. I don't care about what you're saying. I'm going to tell you. You can be quiet on me. It's okay. It's okay. And we as preachers, we are being intimidated by all of you. We are first becoming quiet with the preaching the gospel because after such a sermon, someone is going to put it on Twitter, on WhatsApp, and then it will be trending and I'll be phoned by newspapers to say, you are not what, whatever. Okay, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I'll tell you why. Mamela, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you. I was telling other leaders, I said, I read in the Bible where the power of God moved upon people. And God did miracles. Listen to me, Bazalan. We have many people dying in our time of diseases that medical science can't heal. But the church is powerless in the manifestation of the power of God. Why? God can visit us with certain levels of intensity because we've allowed things among ourselves. In the name of being popular and having appeal, we allowed things in the church. Now I'm not talking about Bazalana being holier than thou, being judgmental. No, no. We must love all people. But in loving all people, we don't compromise on the standards of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to challenge one another. Bazalana, there has to be a standard of truth. We're living in a world today where there's no standard of truth. We live in a world of rel relativism. Secular humanism. People don't have a standard anymore. It's almost like, well, that's your truth. Let me say my truth. Well, when it comes to God, there's no issue of your truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about it in more detail. Because some of you, you think because of the way we are, the way we present ourselves, the way we speak, the way, you know, we are current, you think now, even in morality, we are endorsing the moral filth of our times. No, we don't. No, we don't. And we'll refuse. No, we don't. No. No, Basalwa. No. I am not going to have an extramarital affair. I'm not going to have a girlfriend. It doesn't. I don't care what you say. I'm not going to do it because it goes against the standards of God. I am married. I have one wife and that's the only one I'm going to have. Period. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's it. That's it. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's the way we live. We don't have sex out of marriage. We don't have extramarital affairs. Radiates in total. We don't do those things. But today we have religious leaders who buckle under the pressure of congregations. Because congregants rise up. You see, when you read the book of Timothy, when Paul talked to Timothy, he says to Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. Are be instant. In season and out of season. We never read the next part. Are, for the time will come. When people will not want to listen to sound doctrine. He says because they have itching ears. Yeah. yeah. We're living in those times. We're living in those times. And you see whole denominations now. Trying to be relevant. Yeah. And you don't know where they stand anymore. You, you don't even understand. It's a statement. You don't know what they're saying. And I'm saying the more we do that is the more we are shutting off the power of God from operating in our churches. Let me tell you, Bazalon. Here's my wish. Here's my desire. I'd love in this church for God to touch people's lives. Understand? There are sicknesses and diseases that only the power of God can heal. And I, I, it's not going to be healed by my discussion. It's, not, it's going to be healed by God. But we've got to keep the atmosphere clean. When God visits, he, he, he comes on his terms. Yeah. When he says, read it in the Bible. He read it in the Bible. He said, if my people... Or call by my name, shall humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn away from the wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive the sin. Then I will heal the land. There's always a then with God. In the book of Joel, it talks about cry aloud. It talks about them fasting. You know, God says, you know, rend your hearts and not your garments. Let the priests come. Let them ministers come. Let them say, forgive us, oh God. But something we have to repent. All of us. Into bitterness, unforgiveness. That's just as sinful. Jealousy is just as sinful. Competition is just as sinful. Oh, yeah. Now, again, I'm not talking about being holier than thou. I'm saying we must admit that we are sinners. And we need the grace of God. And when God comes, he doesn't negotiate with us. God says, forsake this thing. You don't come and say, no, God, in, in, no, no, no. God says, no, no. If you're going to walk with me, this you forsake. Look at your neighbor and say, I like the way you're quiet, Mara. The bishop is telling the truth. Yeah, you're quiet. Number eight, the stone of reconciliation. Reconciliation across races. Transgenerational reconciliation. Number nine, I love it. I wrote this prophetically, you know, when I was preparing this message. We are when you are. Number nine. And we're going to talk about the, the stone of strategic level spiritual warfare. So we're going to talk about all these things. So during the prayer week, I, I blind. 
So even next week Sunday, even next week Sunday we'll be talking about. Number 10. The stone of believers walking in the fullness of who they are in Christ. Fullness. Walking in anointing, in power, in wisdom, in knowledge. My goodness. Some of you things you've been struggling with, I see you walking in victory in the name of Jesus. Some of you will be able to cast out demons for the first time in your life. Number 11, the stone of reaping the harvest of souls. And number 12 was another one that, as I've been studying, I saw it, Vazalana. You see, what God wants is for us to change whole cities with the power of the gospel. So stone number 12, the stone of reaching cities, entire cities. Now, now we, we only have enough time for me to deal with one stone, the stone of humility and simplicity. I want to talk about that quickly. Stone number one. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Yeah. You need to say amen more than you did before. Yeah. All right. Are you all ready, Barcelona? Yeah. The Bible places high value on humility, simplicity, and childlikeness. In fact, humility and simplicity is modeled in childlikeness. The Bible states very candidly that God saves humble people, sustains humble people, and gives grace to humble people. But God stands against or against the proud. Psalms 18.27, you save the humble, you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. So God saves the humble. Psalms 147, verse 6 in the NIV, it says, The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. You want to be sustained? You want to, re- you want to maintain success? You want to keep going up for years and years and years? No matter what God does in your life, stay humble. Stay humble. God sustains the humble. And Proverbs 3.34 says, God mocks. Proud mockers, but he gives grace to the humble, so God gives grace to the humble. Now, so humbled people are more likely to experience all the blessings God has for them. And just to explain, humility is not being soft-spoken. Humility is not inability to maintain eye contact when somebody is talking to you. Because there's a lot of people like that who are the most stubborn people you've ever met. There's a lot of soft-spoken people who are very, very big-headed. Humility, we're going to explain it now, but in general, humility is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He didn't say don't think highly. He just says don't, don't overdo it. Humility is when you are willing to forsake your opinion for God's truth. 
That's what I'm saying. We live in a world that wants to make God in its image. It wants to redefine what God has said in his word. So we're a proud generation. That's why we don't see the move of God as we should. We may be in church, we may sing and do all kinds of spiritual gymnastics, but God doesn't pitch. Because nobody is going to wrestle God and tell God what to do. Either you do it God's way or it never gets done. Or better still, you can come up with a fake move of God if you want to, as we have seen in the past. Humility is when we accept that God is right and we are wrong. This stone is evident anytime God begins to move, whether it's in a nation, in a church, in a community, or in somebody's life, or in a family lineage. It is God's gateway to his sustained supernatural visitation. This is why, Barcelona, the, 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 the challenge is that when God begins to move in your life, then you begin to look down upon others. And when your church grows, you begin to boast among others. See, that's a problem. You know, as human beings, we, we, we are prone to pride. We must accept. Yeah. Sometimes we, we can be so humble that we are so proud that we are humble. The disciples of Christ could not resist comparison and wanting to know who is the greatest. Imagine. They are walking with Christ, the greatest of them all. Yet, they argue among themselves. And even trying to think ahead as to the day we get into the kingdom of God, who's going to be the greatest? So when the disciples of Christ ask Jesus, who was the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus calls a little child. Matthew 18, verse 1 to 4. I love this, Barcelona. At the end of that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because, you know, we like competition. Who has the biggest house, the biggest car? Who's wearing the latest designer clothes? Who has the better hairstyle? Who's got bigger muscles? Who has a bigger church? Who's got more money? You know, who's more spiritual? Who's more educated? We struggle. We struggle. Yeah. 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 I really have a problem in our church, Barcelona, when older Christians make younger Christians feel bad. When you try to do something as a young Christian, Barbara Laura, or totally more. May I say to you, when I'm older Christian, untotsi mo. And I've never treated you like that. Never. When we open churches, I, it's such a sad thing with a young pastor's complaint. When we send some of the more mature Christians to assist them. And some of our pastors are young, you know. And then this older Christian says, Utsibakur in 20 years or so. When I'm a figizolo mo grace, rona urtotsi mo. Look at your neighbor and say, Trada. Trada, man. 
But the issue of competition is a real problem. Basalana, we have to work on ourselves. I'm telling you the truth. You really, I'm telling you, Basalana, you have to, you have to work on you because you don't have to try and be jealous. You just become, it's just the way you are. Some of you are trying to look innocent. I'm just trying to tell you, unali jealous. Uskanchevayano, unali jealous. Uskanchevayano. And we must accept. That's why we need God's help. I'm telling you, Basalana, we, we need God's help. It's very difficult. I mean, we leading a church like this one, sometimes the way people treat you, you don't want people to honor you like that and make you a God. No. No, 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 no. Sometimes people come fall before you. I've heard people come kneel in front of me and say, hey, get up high when? Oh. Dingumut. Dingumtu. Jengao. Ah, sana. Pagam. Suguma, son. But you see, you, you can let your own CV get to your head. You are so beautiful. You know the only muntle thing. And then so we upon upon. You are not so we chaba most pilling. No, I'm not saying we chaba most pilling, but let that now. Jesus calls a child. Verse 3, verse, verse 1. At the time the disciples came to Jesus says, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child and had the child stand among them. So he calls the child, I am Amokarabon. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change, underline that, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not necessarily talk about going to heaven as Ugusindi Israel. But entering the kingdom of heaven is that you'll never enter into the things that God is doing. You'll never operate in the principles of God. Whatever God says is ours. You'll never operate. Anything in God's kingdom, if you're going to operate in it, if you want to walk in the anointing, you have to be like a child. If you want church growth, you have to be like a child. If you want to grow spiritually, you must be like a child. That's what he's talking about. And of course, if you want to go to heaven, you must be a child. But it refers to everything. In other words, if you want to really know the key into entering into the dimension of God's work and the move of God, you've got to be like a child. Yeah. Yeah. You have to embrace this. So this is a very big statement. Very big statement. But we don't see that among people. Let's continue. Therefore, for that reason, whoever humbles himself, no one is going to humble you. You know, people say, God humbled me. God has never said he humbled me. God doesn't humble anybody. God says, no, you, you humble you. God's not going to humble you. Therefore, whoever, whoever, whoever humbles himself, like this child, is the greatest. You want to you go high in the things of God? Huh? Do you want to get great triple A of what God has in store? Embrace humility as a child. I'll share a few things for the sake of time. I can't go through everything. My sermons are defaily my rights. In what ways do children demonstrate humility and simplicity? And I love children so much, Bazal, and I want you to know. I learn from them all the time. 
I watch them. I relate with kids. Thankfully, they love me as much as I love them. They are attracted to me as much as I'm attracted to them. I, I just love the children. And when they run up to me, I'll always make time. I don't even stand on my feet often. If they are very young, I go on my knees to come to their level. And I give them a hug and I try to have a conversation with them. Some of them are shy. Some of them are papa like you. <laughs> and uh, some of them engage me. In, some of them ask me questions. I just love it. And now that we have grandkids, it's amazing. I love them. I love talking to them. I love spending time. But for me, to be honest, I'm learning all the time. And I'll share some things with you, Pastor. To come before God as a child is to come stripped of our own sins, doubts, and, 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 and write this down, and being full of wide-eyed, wide-eyed inspiration that comes from total faith. It's amazing to me the way children are wide-eyed. By that I mean they have a hunger to learn and know. They're always asking questions. You know, my first grandson, his favorite statement is, what is that? Opa, what is this? What is that? Why is that? And whatever I tell him, he takes it. He's not like you. She's like, when I started, some of you one of the early reading cutting when I was talking about holiness, I could see her. Already, well, that's not humility. Look at her neighbor and say, we poor and now you're not like a child. <laughs> to come before God as a child is to come with expectancy. And you're going to have an awe-inspiring greatness. So Jesus says, unless, unless, unless you change, and become like a child. The New King James Version says, Assuredly, I said to you, unless you change and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Webster's dictionary describes that expression childlike to mean to become like a child, to be meek, submissive, and dutiful. In other words, God is looking for childlike submissiveness. And there are some of us, Barcelona, who fight against any form of authority. We are rebels at heart. Even when you hear preaching, you rebel against God's word. You're not humble at all. I see Anna as I'm leading the church. There are some people in our church, they can't take correction. No, you correct them. And they've done something wrong. So you mustn't say anything. And we mess up our children, parents, if we don't teach our children that they need to be corrected. Because God will correct you. That's why some people can't walk in the anointing. Even when the Spirit speaks to them, even though the Holy Spirit says, don't do that, you still do it. You still do it. You are not submissive. You know, in our attempt to become my own man, my own woman, to express myself, my rights, we've become rebels. Yes, we have become rebels. 
I'm telling you, Bazalana, we really have become rebels. I'm telling you, you know, as I've gone around many different parts of the world, I see how different we are from many people in the world, in our country. Our workers in this country have a different attitude to workers in many parts of the world. Tell you. We have a serious problem with our workforce. Arrogant, big-headed. Now, I know. I feel you. I am from apartheid. I understand the problems we've had and the misuse that's been there because of our leaders. That I understand. But even when people are paid and they have a job to do, there's an arrogance with the people, Barona, in our country that they will not do certain things. Yeah? You go to other parts, the way they serve you. You know, sometimes we what's so called Because we come from a place where when people serve you, it's almost like they're doing you a favor. And then they come to church and we tell them, no, Mona, we work. Yeah, we pick up papers. I pick up papers outside. I'll move the church to the floor. And there's no other person in the whole Grace Bible Church who is more senior than me. You understand? Yeah. So if I can pick up a paper, I don't see why you can't. You understand that? But, but you know, but, but some, some of you, Labana, you're not even clapping because something is rebelling in your ear. You can already see. Let me show you, Basalan. Just in the natural, that's exactly what we take when we come to God. I'm telling you, you will never be rebellious in the natural and be obedient when it comes to God. Never, never. That's why we must, Mamela, that's why in a home we must teach children. They must listen, they must obey, they must live right. You must express good values. Praise them for kindness. You understand? Praise them for showing love and sharing. Don't, don't make their heads big. See, the, the, the home is meant to be the place where we instill these values in the children. It becomes easy when they start relating with God because they know obedience. They understand submission. I was raised in a home, Barcelona. My dad, I tell people, even when I was already a grown-up man running a church, when I left home, I needed to tell him what time I'm coming back. Now I can see you rebellious group out there saying, hey. Okay? This is how far God's brought me, 62 years old, because I listened to my parents. Okay? And I, and I didn't mind. I didn't mind. My dad would ask me, what time are you coming back? And I knew, even if I come back, I wouldn't come back too late. It was just in my house. I grew up like that. We grew up. I mean, as children, if you went over... We needed to be back when I was young, six o'clock. But you know, I'm really concerned that we don't teach children. Because once you start following God, there are things that God will demand from you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There are things that God will demand from you. And you, if you haven't learned to submit... If you have a rebellious heart about you, forget walking in the power of God. You will not. You, you won't. One of the things God has to deal with you is to really, really work on you in terms of character. Yeah. Children are submissive. Well, the amens are fine. Thank you.
God seeks childlike submissiveness, meekness. Children are meek. You know what's going on? When, when children are, 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 are hungry, say you've, you've gone out, you've been with them out for a long time, and they're really hungry. They're really, really hungry. When you give them food, <laughs> they eat that food at the pace of their hunger. You know, children are meek. You know, one of the things that struck me, and I know I'm going ahead of myself, is how easily they get pleased. I was watching my grandson playing with a balloon. Balloon, balloon. All he asked of me is to kick the balloon with him. And his world was made. He kicks the balloon, I kick the balloon. He kicks the balloon. I mean, to him, it's the whole, I mean, it's better than a Lamborghini. I mean, I will kick the ball. Kicks the balloon, he kicks the balloon. I'm saying, this, don't demand it. Balloon, how much does it cost? What's a balloon? And he comes out of it, he's happy, fulfilled. Oh, we. we. Even if you can dress up a child in old dilapidated clothes, they don't see it. Whatever you give them, they take. They just make. Even children who come from poor families, they don't know that they are poor. They, they don't know. You know, listen, but I learned something years ago, and I won't go into too many details. But this teacher really said something to me, to, not to me, to someone I was with, that made me think this person was really struggling with something. And this teacher said to this person, why don't you go and whilst you are still dealing with this matter, why don't you go and involve yourself in teaching children? So this person said, why? And the teacher said, children are the most non-judgmental. You know, if you come to children and you teach them, they never say you're overweight. They never say you're black. They never say you're white. They, they don't care. They don't say one king kiza. They don't say that. Children are meek. It's the parents who teach them. That one is black. That one is, it's the children, it's the parents. Children, when they play, they don't discriminate with each other. They don't even see, this one is black, this one is white, this one is rich, this one is wearing designer clothes. This one is wearing Louis Vuitton, Nakitsora Kako, Koko, Pep. Yes. They don't say that. It's us who say that. Children don't say that. Oh, no, just beggar. Now, I did not beggar. They don't say that. They, they're children. They're just meek. Meek. Yeah. I tell you, Barcelona, if we don't learn meekness, I'm telling you. So I said the other time in the church, don't try to be what you're not. 
are you pressing? Who are you impressing? If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. So, where you are in life, that's where you are. So what? So what? Oh no. People break the budget, we go into debts to have the latest phone. You can't even afford airtime. Maria on iPhone 14. Give 15. Do you have 15 already? 14 is the latest, right? We swear 14, we swear 14. Whatever latest iPhone is, you break the bank just to. And, and with, with social media, has introduced a culture where you have to post the most expensive thing that you bought, and people draw self-worth from that. It becomes a status symbol. And some places you go to, I watch it sometimes, when you're just dressed hunter fella, just normally, and now you're driving a small car, you're driving to some of these churches, but hey, pagamola, pagamola. And then we're like, oh, Bishop Cohen, I can't again. I'm still the same person. Still the same person, what has changed? No, so, so what? Some of you, really, you, you'll break the bank trying to buy the latest Mac when you can't afford it. But your children are not like that. Children, whatever you give them, Bazalana, I'm telling you, you give them Papa Kasawa Bataja. They'll eat, and when their belly is full, when they're happy, they sleep peacefully takes very little to please children. And Jesus says, if you want to enter God's kingdom, you want to enter God's kingdom, you want to enter God's kingdom, yeah. We'll continue on this, Basalana, now that you're quiet, we'll continue on this next week, Sunday. Because I can see it's too much for you now. Next week, Sunday, we will continue on this. But let's close, Basalana. It's not for me to tell you where you're proud, and it's not for you to tell me where I'm proud. It's for me to examine myself. There are things, Basalana, where we attempted to boast and be big-headed. And every God resists the proud. Have you, have, you, have, you, have you understood what that means? God resists. It's one thing for people to be against you. It's another thing. See, some of you in Tosalona are not working. And you have not figured it out. You're praying, you're binding, you're fasting. Because he just nullifies everything you're doing. 
I'm telling you. And this is what I'm saying. The biggest threat to our success is that the minute God gives us Mtuakana, we become big headed. And God says, okay, no more. God resists the pride. And it can be in anything. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That was Saul's problem. When Saul assumed a position that he didn't belong to. This is a man that God chose to be the first king of the Israelites. But because of his power, his ability, his looks, he got to a point where he felt he can do what only a priest should do. The priest told him, wait for me, I'll come and give sacrifice. Now because he's a big man, he's impatient. That's another thing we'll talk about, Basalam. The ability to wait. In the Bible, there's a waiting on God. You see this thing, five minutes, I'm telling you, Basalam, that is so counterproductive when it comes to God. I'm telling you. Jesus told his disciples, go to the upper room, wait. He said, wait. Wait. Yeah. We have people who feel, do they really know who I am? Oh, really? So you can't wait. You can't wait. And yet, when you're in big trouble, right, and you need help, and someone says, wait, I'll come back, you'll wait there. Or you've even driven and crossed seas, driven for hours to go and get help. Now, you can't wait anymore. And people don't realize. You see, God resists the proud. But, he gives grace. Oh, I see the grace of God on your life. Grace of God. The minute you become like a child, Dintodiabulea, I'm telling you, Masalon. The minute Uru fell, God says, all right. Grace means you do more in a short space of time. Grace means you succeed where others fail. Grace means there is a special portion. I was teaching about grace called Eswatin. He gives grace. God gives grace. Gives grace. Gives grace. Gives grace. Gives grace. Grace. I don't know this. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't even know how I did it. I don't know how I could get out of that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't have all the knowledge. All I don't know. Step in and I'm doing things for you. Oh, I see the Lord stepping in into your life. Oh, I see God turning your family around. But you must learn to be humble. Hearing, yeah. submit yourself to God. Listen to the order, Bazalon. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. In that order. Some of you, the reason the devil doesn't listen to you is because you are not submitted to God. See, when you read in Matthew 8, the centurion, when he was talking to Jesus and he ate, Someone who was sick. 
And Jesus says, I'm coming to come and help that person. Pray for them. Centurion says, no, 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 no. You don't need to come. No, you don't need to come. I am a man under authority. He says, I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go, he goes. I say to the other one, go, and he goes. Let's, let's, let's decode it for you. He's saying, the reason my word and my authority works on others is because I am submitted to an authority. There are many people, you are doing spiritual warfare, but nothing is working. You are battling demons and everything, they are not working. And I'll tell you why that's not working. Because you are not submitted to God. You want to make God to order. You want to place him on order. You want to tell him and prescribe to him, this is how I will live holy. This is, how I, this is what I'm going to do with my money. I'm not going to tithe. Then you are binding the devil and God saying, oh, this rebel. This rebel. They think Satan will listen to them. See, Satan is not listening to you because of you. He's listening to you because of what's backing you up. And if God's not backing you up, the devil is not listening. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Yeah, but we're not living in a time of people who are submissive. We're living in, um, in a community of big-headed, loud-mouthed, empty people. They're not going anywhere in life. The only thing about them is they talk a lot. But there's very little in their lives that's going on. Yeah. And they're big-headed and opinionated, and they will not humble themselves to God. And I'm saying to us, Bazalona, God has brought us here today to hear this word. Even if the amens are few, just receive it. Just receive God's word. I know God's word can be bitter sometimes, but it's okay. Hey, tomorrow will be a better day. Can I hear an amen? God, God is helping us. He's taking us further. Can I hear a good amen? He's taking us further. Let's raise our hands to the Lord, all of us. Shall we stand on our feet, everybody? Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, you were so quiet today. I don't know why. Just ask them, why were you quiet? Just ask them, let them tell you, why were you quiet? Ask them, why were you quiet? Let's raise our hands to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to say for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just pray the Holy Ghost as the instruments are playing. Just talk to God about your life, whatever you want to say. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, forgive us for pride, being opinionated. Forgive us for the spirit of rebellion. Forgive us for violating your word. Forgive us 
for making a God out of our own opinion. Forgive us. Forgive us for making other things to be God in our lives. Forgive us for not humbling ourselves as children. Oh, that we may enter. Shama Membra Sakarabi. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, in places where I've been proud, haughty, stubborn, opinionated. Whatever I did that has affected this church, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive us for where we have stubbornly held on to things that were not your will and your purpose. Forgive us. Forgive us. We thank you that your word says if we confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now let your Holy Spirit move upon our lives, O oh God. Break every form of bondage. Break every form of anything that stands against us, every hindrance, every wall of opposition. Break us through into realms in the spirit where we have failed. Powers of darkness that we couldn't deal with. Elevate us in authority and power. Let your anointing be stronger in our lives. Break off from our lives things that have attached themselves to our lives that will not break. Let the power of the Holy Spirit break them right now in the name of Jesus. Break us into new realms, O oh God. Take us further into what you want us to be in, in our family lineage. Raise us up in our family lineage to be the Josiahs of our time. Oh, we know, O oh God, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. As your anointing is moving across this auditorium, as the Holy Spirit is moving across this auditorium, usher your children, usher all of us into a new realm, into a new dimension. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let your grace, 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 let your grace rest upon us. Let your favor rest upon us. Let your divine enablement rest upon us. Let your divine ability rest upon us. Just continue to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for those who are sick in their bodies. Diseases that didn't heal. Conditions that didn't go away. Because disobedience opened a door. Whatever stronghold is in your people's lives that has come in because of their wrong decisions, because of their wrong pursuits, 
because of their stubbornness or our own stubbornness in the name of Jesus I command those spirits to break in the name of Jesus I command those chains to break in the name of Jesus I speak life healing soundness and wholeness in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I speak the word of God upon your life in the name of Jesus I declare victory in the name of Jesus let this be a new day in the name of Jesus, let freedom be your portion. Let liberty be your portion. In the name of Jesus, freedom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Just remain standing, everybody. You can put your hands down, but just remain standing. Just close your eyes, please. Some of you are here for the first time today. Maybe you've been invited, or it might not even be your first time. But you are here today, and as you are listening to God's word, maybe the one thing that you haven't done as yet is to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. Or you did receive Christ. But you decided to live by your own way. You followed your own path. And you realize it's only led you to destruction. It's only led you to sadness. It's only led you to stagnation. It's led you to a life of misery. And here today as we stand, you want to say, you know, I want to invite Christ in my life or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I didn't really obey God. I walked in disobedience. But I want to recommit my life. Or you want to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. If that is you and you need prayer, would you raise your hand please right where you are. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Bless you so much. This is what God wants. God wants humble people. Now I know sometimes people should respond, but because they are worried about what people will say, they won't respond. But you see, part of humility is to accept and say, God, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Those who raised your hands, would you just walk to the front, please? Take your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse. Just come stand in the front. I want to pray for you.